Hello, my name is Baron Damon, and I'm a philanthropic coach. And what we do, we help people align their money, their donations with their deepest value. Today, I'm here with John on relationships and revenue, and I'm so excited to be here to share with you about philanthropy. Welcome back, everyone, to the Relationships and Revenue Podcast. This is your host, John Hewlin, as always. Thrilled to have each and every one of you with me today. And as you heard from that fantastic introduction, I have the one and only Baron Damon with me. Baron, how are you today? Man, I am fantastic. I am fantastic. I, people ask me how I'm doing all the time, and I say, I'm doing great. I'm doing wonderful. I'm doing fantastic. All right. All excellent adjectives. <laughs> well, as you all heard Damon talk about Baron Damon, see, it's so easy. When I saw your name for the first time, I saw it flip-flopped. And I'm like, oh man, is his name Baron Damon or Damon Baron? Very confusing when I saw it for the first time. So I have two for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, Fortunately for people who see my name, they they still mess up my name, but it's my last name that they mess up oh, all the time. So <laughs> Baron described himself as a philanthropic coach, and we are going to go deep into that today, folks, to learn more about what that is. Um, Baron has a lot of things going on. Um, man, you got to you got to beat. I'm going to talk about this because I just want to know more of what it is. A BA in industrial psychology. Okay, yes. that's interesting. He has an MBA. Um, you're CEO of BK Damon Foundation. Is that right? That's correct. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, my gosh. You've got an Airbnb business. Yeah. He's, he's a I'm, – I'm breaking things, breaking news here, folks, a little bit. He's a new author with a book that's about to come out. So yeah. very excited to talk to him more about that. Um, and of course, he is a husband and father. Best jobs. The best. Jobs. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, that's that's something that uh, that I really try to emphasize on the podcast. And that's why it's called the term relationships is first. Yeah, because. Uh, Honestly, Baron, what I believe deep down is that if we want to be great in business, if we want to be great in giving back as, yeah. you know, what you're focused on, it starts at home. We can't be great at other things if we're not great at home first. If we're not working on those relationships, it's going to impact everything else we do, good or bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally believe that, you know, when I think about you know, certain stories in the Bible. I think about Jesus himself, where he just went off the scene for several years, like 18 years, right? Mm -hmm. And I always would tell my family, what do you think he was doing during that? He was taking care of his family, right? And so that's why, to your point, John, family is so important. Mm -hmm. Very important, you know? Um, and I think... Entrepreneurs have, at least the ones that I have known over the years, and I certainly have been guilty of this. Uh, when we start a business, man, that is our baby. I mean, it it has to be nurtured. It has to be taken care of, just like an infant. Yeah. It has to be nurtured and taken care of. 
But the problem for many of us, as we get further along in that entrepreneurial journey, we forget that the business grows like kids grow, and it shouldn't need our undivided attention all the time. And we yeah. have a hard time letting go of that. And it's cost many an entrepreneur their families because of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. What one research I remember hearing, and I've heard it multiple times. Uh, matter of fact, even today I was listening to a podcast and it reiterated um, when wealthy people were interviewed on their deathbed, their dying bed, and some of the regrets that they had was, I wish I would have spent more time with my family. That was the number one thing. And so it's so important for us to take the time. And this it's difficult. I'm not saying it's not challenging because I'm one of these people. I just learned something in a Kobe assessment that I have to bear in. You ride on juggling different things. And we do <laughs> multiple businesses. But that the same time, we understand that it's important to carve out time because I worked for an organization um, where a lot of the children came from single parent home. And unfortunately, they were missing out on some very important relationships in yeah. there. And for me, it really um, rings true because I would see how disconnected young people would be as a result of that loss of relationship. And it made me want to come home and be more attentive, <laughs> you know, to my own family and children. Sure, sure. I could see how it would do that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, being a single dad, that's certainly something that I understand. Yeah. Um, and that also, quick little history lesson on on me, mm -hmm. uh, Baron. The whole reason I even started this podcast was because I wanted to help men not end up like me. Okay. Um, my My divorce was completely preventable. Mm. completely yeah and it's it's kind of like if you win the lottery i mean i'm not talking about millions you are into the b you're into billions now that you yeah. win there's very few people that i know that would keep that silent you know they'd be telling all kinds of people what right. they figured out well the things that i've learned about relationships are infinitely more important than win winning billions of dollars and so this is one way that I do that. Another is the book that I've written, The F6 Secrets of Relationships mm. is the name of the book. And so, um, you know, I, I feel compelled to tell other people about yeah. my experiences, the things I've learned, the ways I've grown, because uh, in many ways, it is as if I had scales on my eyes my entire life and didn't know it until they fell off. Yeah. And then I could see for the first time and I could see things I never saw before. Right. So how could I not try and help other people? Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, it's interesting. I've talked to a lot of people why they get into podcasting and everyone has a different reason why. And it's usually mm -hmm. not just a mother time, which is great. True. Yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. So take us back a little bit, Baron. Um, help us get a better sense of who you are by going back in time. How did you get your start and what led you to where you are today? Yeah, I, I will tell you 
you know, growing up, I mentioned kind of offline that I, I was a PK. I was born in New York. I lived in New York uh, for almost 10 years, but my family was from the South. And so moving me from New York City, Brooklyn, specifically to a very rural part of South Carolina, I thought mm. life was completely over. <laughs> uh, it, it was, you know, I remember going to school and having kids literally stand around me just to hear me talk. So it was a, a, a interesting time. I became an athlete, a very good athlete, and then transitioned to the University of South Carolina on a academic scholarship. And mm. so it was going really, really good um, for me. You know, that point in time where your parents still putting money into your account every week and mm -hmm. just living, living the life. And unfortunately for me, I enjoyed it a little bit too much. <laughs> very well, my, my first semester. But the second semester, I was mugged. Oh. Um, headed back to my dorm uh, with my, my cousin, and someone came behind me and just, bam, just hit me. Mm. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday because it was my defining moment in life. Mm. I remember it almost like my life flashed in front of me, and I didn't know what the outcome was at the moment, but it really set my life into a downward spiral. I just didn't have the, uh, I didn't have the tool to understand emotion on that level, being young, right? And for, for me to be this decorated athlete, come from a good family and have all these things and my future looks so bright, now someone wants to intentionally hurt me for no reason. That was a lot for me to process. And I don't think I did it very well. Matter of fact, I left um, school for a couple of weeks, being a first-generational college student. I didn't realize that I should have withdrew from classes opposed to going back and trying to take exams. Uh -huh. And that, I didn't do very well uh, and ended up getting kicked out of school. Mm. I lost my scholarship. And, of course, they don't let you stay on campus when you don't go to school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a, that was a problem. I mean, I was so embarrassed. I didn't even tell my parents about. Oh, wow. Ended up, you know, living um, in an apartment with some friends. They thought I just moved off campus, yeah. and I would um, just fake it, you know, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But that moment um, in my life really changed me because I was really one of these people who just wanted to serve himself. You know, I really wanted, you know, I'm a third generational entrepreneur. Um, so I was just all geared up toward entrepreneurship, making a lot of money. You know, my, my grandfather was, my father was, and I said, I'm going to take this thing to the next level. I'm going to get to the millionaire status, all of that. And then when this happened, um, it just completely derailed that. Mm. And um, I tried to get back into school multiple times. They wouldn't let me. And that's why I say um, I created or developed my philanthropic why after I got my black eye. And mm -hmm. it's interesting because the glasses that I wear today is a direct result from that hit. But wow. vision for my life became very clear after that. Gotcha. And then I started um, actually... Fast forward, started working for a, a national nonprofit, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, and it just really kind of changed my life in terms of 
wow, this, I didn't even know what a nonprofit was. I was like, why would you even have a nonprofit? Mm. That don't make sense to me. That's an oxymoron. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Having no profit in the organization didn't make sense to me. Mm. Uh, that was definitely where God called me to be. And, and, and my life has just been a blessing because of it. Now, how long did you work with or serve Big Brothers Big Sisters? Yeah, I worked in Columbia for about six years, and then I moved to North Carolina and was ready to do something else. I was talking, I did a presentation for um, this bank, and they wanted me to come and be a corporate trainer. I said, well, I'm, I'm going to leave the nonprofit world. I did six good years, and it didn't work out. And the role came open for Big Brothers, Big Sisters here, and people were pushing me to bear you have to, to try you have to go back, and eventually I did go back and stay um, 17 years at the agency here locally. I mean, last year I retired in August of last year. Wow. Okay. Well, if you're an entrepreneur, you didn't really retire. I mean, let's be honest. No. <laughs> I wanted to use that word at least one my life. There you go. <laughs> that's that's funny because my uh, my financial advisor. Uh, was uh, my new one was asking me about that recently, you know, that, that introductory kind of interview thing. Yeah. Like, when do you want to retire? And I'm like, yeah. I don't understand the word. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's like that's not in my future. I don't, I don't see that coming. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely not. I don't see, I can literally being a coach and you know this because you are a coach. I mean, we can do it until I'm dying breath. As long as the world yeah. will listen, we can do it. For sure. Sometimes even when they don't listen. That's right. <laughs> so for those who may not use the term with regularity, certainly like you do, uh, help us out a little bit. Uh, define philanthropy for us. Philanthropy is a big word, right? It has a lot oh, of yeah. letters in it. And it's people, one of those $10 words. Yes. <laughs> often get it. Uh, tied up when, when they say it. But philanthropy is really simple. It's really the love of mankind. Okay. If you love people, you're a philanthropist. And what we try yeah. to do, John, is demystify it. Because when we think about philanthropists, who do you think about when you think about a philanthropist? Oh, gosh. Um, Bill Gates. Okay. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. You know, he would have been my first choice, but yes. Yeah, yeah. Some of the well-known people that... Someone who's extremely wealthy. Yeah, typically. extremely wealthy. Someone, someone who's made a lot of money, who maybe isn't in that field anymore, but yeah. wants to... Uh, the term you often hear used is give back. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that term means the love of mankind. And so anyone can love mankind. Right. And you can give back with your time, your talent and your treasure. And so sometimes when we think about philanthropy, we think that we do have to have a, lo a lot of money. And that's one thing I share with my clients or whoever I'm having conversations with. No, you don't have to have a lot. Our first gift was probably a uh, hundred dollars, you know, or so. mm -hmm. and it made a, a big impact in somebody's wow. life. That's fantastic. You know, it's, it's, I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, time, 
talents, treasure, right? That's those right. three? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I haven't said it in exactly those terms before, but I have let people know. It's like I've asked people to think about the term wealth or being wealthy. Yeah. And for most people, immediately they think of money. Right. And to me, that's not where it starts. For me, and you won't be surprised when I say this, it starts in relationships. Because to me, the wealthiest people I've ever met had very little monetary wealth. But they were wealthy in relationships. Yeah. And they taught others how to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I know um, in some of my philanthropic endeavors... Again, I like it. I like it. John. Getting to use those big terms. I don't get to use them very often. So I pull them out when I can. Uh, when I have those opportunities to do that, um, one of the things that I like to bring to the table are my connections. Because many times I have connections that I know have the monetary wealth. Yeah. That can contribute to something. As long as I can, and it sounds so crass to say it this way, but if I can sell the vision to them, they'll have buy-in. And it's like, sure, John, okay. Just point me in the right direction or have, you know, I'll have my business person or my manager or whoever it is take care of that. But um, that's something that I bring to the table that I, that I like to be able to do because that's, that's one of my talents yeah. is that I'm a connector. Yeah. I love connecting people. It's one yeah. of my most favorite things in the world to do. In fact. I do it a lot in business, but in a somewhat non-traditional way, Baron. Um, for instance, let's say I'm meeting with a potential client. Okay. And, and it doesn't matter in what area that I'm doing it in, but it, let's just say it happens to be in coaching. I usually know pretty quickly if, someone, if, if there's a mismatch, meaning either I'm not a match for that person or that person's not a match for me. Right. Sometimes it's both, but not very often is it both. When I know right away, I usually cut the conversation off in a polite way. I just say, look, you know, I, I don't think we're a good match, but I don't leave it there. I said, Here, I'm going to give you two names of people that I want you to reach out to that I think would be a better fit for you. Right. Um, I said, in addition to that, I'm going to reach out to them and tell them to be expecting to hear from you. Every time I've done that, and I've been doing that for over 20 years. Wow. Every time I do that, Baron, that person who could have been my client, I could have taken their money and I right. could have done a fine job, but I still knew there wasn't a match there. Every time I've done that, they always come back and say, thank you for connecting me with so-and-so. It yeah. is going great. And then they tell me why. And Yeah. I, I love that. Yeah. To me, that's just the right way to do things. Yeah. Because it's, when the focus is on the other person, which is what philanthropy is all about, it's about it's being others-centered. That's right. When we focus on other people, the other stuff just takes care of itself. Yeah. But that's hard for us to do sometimes because it's kind <laughs> of me and I. We have egos too, so yeah. <laughs> but if you can get to that point in your life where other people are more important than you are, there's something that happens that, you know, money just can't buy. For sure. 
Yeah, and it's called happiness. Definitely. All right. So, one of the things that that you mentioned at the beginning, you used another term that I think is, if you can define it for us, is going to help us not only understand better what you do, but yeah. I think can help us understand better how it can impact us. You talked about legacy. Help us understand more about what legacy is and why it's important. Yeah, legacy is important. Matter of fact, I heard something today was interesting, and, I, and I'm going to use it right now because Please. I, um, it's interesting. When I started crafting my language, right, around this philanthropic coaching um, and leaving a legacy, and a lot of times when you're talking to people, legacy seems kind of morbid almost. They don't really want to, when they think about it, they think about, man, I have to be dead already. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But interestingly enough, what I've heard today, that people really need to think about legacy and perhaps their death because it should inspire them to live now. Mm. And so what I think about when I think about legacy is living your legacy now. You okay. can't, you know, don't wait to after you're, you're deceased. You can start that process right now. And we show people how to do that. So when I think about legacy, um, legacy, obviously people think about in terms of money and leaving money for their family. Mm -hmm. We also get them to think about leave money to your community your hospital, okay. your school, um, individuals that need support, nonprofit organization. And so we want them to think uh, in terms of this holistic approach to legacy. Now, I we were sharing kind of offline about a book that I just finished and had mm. published. It's called Monday Morning Manor. Uh, it's a 52-week devotional. I started writing these Every week I would send a devotional to my family. I would just text and had no idea that it would become a book, but <laughs> it was the way that I connected with my family because they were getting older and kind of moving out and all these different mm -hmm. places. And I was like, wow, I need to be able to still connect, maybe have this kind of centralized theme or word for the day that everybody can connect with. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I wanted to um, create this legacy gift, what I call legacy gift. And I published a book, but one of my requirements was I wanted to put each of their names on okay. So when my family, I gave it to them um, the day before Christmas and they opened up the box. I had it packaged really nice and they opened it up and you can see their faces. They were just astounded to see <laughs> the name. And so I just shared with them when I have grandchildren and when my children have grandchildren, they can have this book that can be passed down to mm. generation to generation. And it really, um, it really empowers you when you think about, man, I can make an impact. Well, I can have a legacy that maybe look a little different than a Bill Gates or yeah. more. I was reading a story recently about Rockefeller. And matter of fact, my, my daughter, uh, she works at the uh, museum in, at the White House. 
And oh, they had okay. theater there and it had Rockefeller. And so she sent us a text. She said, guess who's in event uh, is here tonight? And she showed us and I said, wow, the Rockefellers. And I started doing some research. I said, here it is my 23-year-old daughter talking about Rockefeller. He was <laughs> 182 years ago, <laughs> right? He, yeah. At 50 years old, he, made, um, he was the wealthiest man in, in, uh, in America, perhaps even the world. But his legacy, seven generations later, is still going today. Mm. Usually, um, when you're talking about wealth, it's usually just for three generations. Mm. Yeah. And the reason why is because you have people who create. So like you would create your wealth. Mm. Uh, the second generation, your children, they will steward that wealth. And the third generation, they will consume that wealth. <laughs> That's why most of the times it doesn't last longer than three generations. Mm. Interesting. Okay. See, that's one of the things that I love about having guests on the show. There's always at, at least one thing that I learn. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that is definitely one of them. And I can I could see how that could happen very easily yeah. when it can't, comes to wealth. You know, you were talking about the book that you wrote, and there, there was a term that came to my mind as you were describing it, because you, you've been using the word legacy, and that's I could see how that would, is part of your legacy. But that specific thing, the book, the term that came to my mind was heirloom. Yeah. About that passing it on kind of thing. And yeah. that heirlooms look different in every family. Yeah. You know, like, um, you know, I guess you could say it this way. I don't think my dad would say it this way, but I would say the heirlooms that my dad got from his dad mm -hmm. were some tools. Yeah. And not even a lot of them. I mean, just a few. Yeah. Um, and so it, it just it looks different. In every yeah. family. Yeah. But, uh, but, but I love that it's something that you all have done together. Yeah. It's, a, it's a gift you created for them, but yeah. for more than just them. Right. But for you created it for people that you've never met and some you never will meet. That's right. That's right. And people now, we've gotten so many um, texts and emails from people talking about how they're using the book to either mm. restore their families. Um, Very nice. Yeah, we had um, one mom who has really had difficult relationships with her children, mm. and, she, and she had already made up her mind that she would not, uh, she would live the rest of her years without her children. And she mm. said, I received your book and how it was talking about the value of family and relationship. And she mm. said, to rethink my whole idea about family. Mm, I love that. Love that. You talked uh, about using another term, impact. Yeah. That was one that I know, not only did you use it now, but in my research and getting ready for the interview, it's, it's a term I saw several times. Yeah. When you say impact, what do you mean? When I say impact, Impact, like we talk about heirlooms, well, legacy looks different, right? Mm -hmm. Impact looks different too. Now, I work for a, a nonprofit organization, also um, help develop these given circles all around the country from a grassroots kind of philanthropic side, right? 
And so when we think, when I talk about impact, I'm talking about what, what is the impact you want to make with your level of influence, social capital, what's in your sphere, right? Because the impact that I can make may be different from what you can make, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll give you an example. Uh, we, we started, when we first started our, uh, our donor advised fund, right? And that was our vehicle that we used to start giving our money away strategically. Mm-hmm. And we started with a scholarship called Make a Difference Scholarship. And we were, lead, we had this leadership development program. And it was interesting because we had this young man who he was um, undocumented, brilliant young man. And one day he was in the hallway of the program that we had. And, and I was talking to him and he said, um, I said, why are you outside? He said, I'm just, I'm, I'm just having a difficult day. And I said, why? He said, because all the hard work that I've done, I can't go to college. I won't be able to go to college. And so he was so down. His parents didn't even speak English. And we started pulling in some of our resources. I'm trying to help in a variety of ways. But we personally gave him the Make a Difference Scholarship. Now, this scholarship was $500. Now, what it did was provide hope for him. Right. If somebody, this organization, this company gave me a $500 scholarship, maybe someone else would too. Mm-hmm. Ended up getting an $80,000 scholarship per year to go to Tufts University. Wow. And it was amazing to me the impact that we were able to make with $500. Mm-hmm. No. And so when I think about impact, it's really germane to you. I've taken people to the gas station on many, many occasions mm-hmm. and pumped their gas for them. And hey, that's impact, John. Well, you don't have yeah, any <laughs> and you can't get home. Hey, mm-hmm. I, I run out of gas. Um, I know. <laughs> and so impact um, comes in a variety. Mm, I like that. I, I like, you know, when, when you brought it down to a level that everybody can understand, you know, running out of gas. Yeah. Maybe not everybody can can understand it personally, but they probably know somebody. Yeah. Has. So I mean that to, you know, providing money for a scholarship to help somebody. Really, you didn't help him go to college. You inspired him to find ways to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And that and honestly, if you had given him a larger amount, I wonder if he would have had the same drive to do it. That's, that's I, I, I kind of think maybe yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, you know, we have pictures of when we presented this, the big check to him, he just broke down in tears, you know, and he sent us a video just thanking us because he knew that that was the inspiration, as you said, that he needed um, yeah. to be successful. You know, my, my wife was diagnosed with uh, breast cancer in 2014. Mm. And our, one of our good friends um, is a three-pound breast cancer survivor. As wow. a result of that, um, we started a company um, with her kind of leading the way, and we partnered with it called Survivor Friendly. And so we provide durable medical equipment to breast cancer survivors 
And we have six locations in North Carolina. Uh, and I bring that up because we have helped thousands of women at the most critical times in their life. Yeah. But they can come to these boutique style places to get wigs and they can get um, uh, garments that fit it just for them. They can get fitted. All these different things um, that they can have this quality of life that maybe they were missing after the surgery. Right. Now that's a greater impact, right? Oh, yeah. Um, but it's still um in a manner that you know anyone can do. Um 